When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five... Four, three, two, one. TV. Thanks for joining us on a Balls McWednesday. Hope this finds you doing well. I am. Thanks for asking, everybody. I'm doing very well. Everybody's good. You have a good Valentine's Day yesterday. Did you guys do something big? Anything crazy out there? You guys have a lot of fun on Valentine's Day? Or did you kind of ignore it much the way that I typically ignore Valentine's Day? I don't know. I'm asking all of you. Is it, a, is it a day of great romance for you or just, uh, you know, it's Tuesday. Tuesday, I got to work tomorrow. Don't know what, don't know what I'm going to do. For some people, it's a big to-do. And I always feel bad for those folks when I see them. I can see that desperation look on that guy's face as he's racing from work and swinging past Publix in the last hour to grab those flowers and some chocolates and whatever wine that he forgot to buy a few days ago, hoping to make right a terrible oversight. Racing through the aisle while I'm relaxing, thinking, oh, I'm going to buy some Golden Grams. Did you go shopping yesterday? I did. <laughs> I got some Golden Grams. <laughs> yeah. That sounded like a true story. Sometimes they're uh, absurd examples. Yeah. And sometimes like, oh, that, that happened. Yeah, that it did happen. happen. Yeah, it did happen. It was, it was great. We had breakfast, a breakfast for dinner. That's it. Oddly, so did we to some degree. Right. We went to Uptown Cafe. They do a little thing there. And it's, uh, I like local places. And so we went there. And my kid got... They're called man cakes. <laughs> Why don't you call them Johnny cakes while uh, you're at it? Sure. But they're giant pancakes with bacon and uh and sausage and uh and, and beef and all the all the meats in the in the pancake. That's oh. what that's what Bryce got. That's what I had last night, they're, except it was a burrito. There it is. Yeah. With all the meats. Meats and uh that's right. He's laughing over here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, sautéed onions and sautéed peppers. There you go. Oh, man. There you go. It's a good Tuesday. (laughs) 
I've never cared at all about Valentine's Day. Even, you know, like no no girlfriend that I've ever had was expecting much on Valentine's Day because I got out in front of it. I'm like, it's a man-made nonsense holiday. Stop it. I'm good to you year-round. I don't have to be all special on this random-ass day where they're just begging to steal our money. I majored in Catholic guilt for more than right. 12 years of education. Right. I know guilt when I see it, mm-hmm. and that's every commercial from January 15th on for Valentine's Day. You suck. You know yeah. what would make you better? If you bought her a $10,000 piece of jewelry, which right now you can get for just 9900 That's right. Financing available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a little, it was, it, it was nice. It was relaxing. Uh, you know, no, the, you know, I did, the one area that I did imbibe, uh, I did, I got after the, uh, the blood orange mimosas. Really? Very tasty. On a Tuesday night? Well, I had, I had one glass. I had one oh. glass of a blood orange mimosa. How big was the glass? It was a, a normal size glass. Was it, it like that Betty White wine glass? <laughs> That's the only bit of alcohol I had. Was that? That's all I got. A, a little bit, a little bit of mimosa, blood orange mimosa. I like it. It's less sweet. It's got a little, little tart to it, which I enjoy. And then I had a, uh, a sandwich. That's the big Valentine's Day. I had a, a sandwich. That's it. Was it a good one? Yeah, it was. It was. It was a Reuben. With aged and soaked sauerkraut. It was unbelievable. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Corned beef. Never go that route. Never do that, that for is... me. Well, that, this is like a four-hour tenderization process, and then you soak the sauerkraut. It's got all the – you just – you know how I tell you when I eat something, oftentimes if I'm getting – like if I get a sour for a beer choice, I like – I want to recoil. I want to be like, oh, my God, it's too much. And then I have another sip. That's what I want. I want the same thing with any kind of a sandwich or a sub that I get that has any sort of – um, any, any, you know, like when you pour the juices, buddy, you gotta have, <laughs> you gotta have a lot of vinegar. Is all yeah, I'm saying. No, this is not a mind in the gutter moment. I'm just reminiscing, uh, about 11, 12 years ago of, uh, an old general manager of ours who was shocked by something and, and just went, Oh, shit. like, you know, there was a face and I envisioned that's the face that you want to make when you have a sour or when you have a candy of some sort, is you want to recall? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. I want to be like, oh my god, why would you ever? Let me try that again. That's that's how I kind of want to go. Same thing about... with Pete and Scotch. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The smokier the better. You can't get you can't beat. Anyhow, happy Valentine's Day, belated everybody. There you go. You know, you guys know you've been listening to this show over the years. I don't give a damn about Valentine's Day. It was a nice. I was in bed by nine forty. I think we had the same day, except for the blood orange mimosa. I think we had the exact same day. You know, and, and again, it's embarrassing, but like weeknights, if you tell me, well, there's there's no game you have to watch tonight. There's nothing. Florida State's not playing. There's not a thing that you need to be able to have seen to talk about the next day. I can't get, I'll walk past the master bedroom and I get the, come on in. Why don't you just come on in here? What are we doing? There's no reason for you to be out there just. Wasting your time watching shows you don't care about. Because I'll go down the, the history rabbit hole and find all these different shows, documentaries, war, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, I'll watch that. I'll watch that. I'll watch that. Next thing I know, it's 11. Why? Why? No reason. No reason for that. So now these days, that, that's the maturity level, guys. I'll take it to the bed. You've arrived. Your 50s. They really are the golden decade. That's well done. Mm. <laughs> I tried to stay up and watch the lightning and, and uh, A little victory on the road? Couldn't do it.
in a shootout. Didn't make it out of the first period. No, you was you, done. That was done. Oh, I wake up with the, much to the chagrin of my wife. I wake up with the remote in my hand, TV blaring, which she says she correctly predicts is going to happen. And I always resist and say, oh, no, no, I got it. I got it. As soon as I start to feel sleepy, I'm turning that sucker off. She's like, you know, I didn't even want the TV in the bedroom to begin with. Sure. But I won that argument. And then it's, I don't want it on when we're going to bed. No, I understand. 15 minutes. I just want to check out the score. Does it have to be hockey? The brightest program (laughs) on television? Well, the two sports I do watch back in the room is hockey, and then I'll watch golf. And, of course, bright, lush greens, (laughs) seaside. She's like, Jesus, the whole room is lit up. (laughs) It's always an overcast day. (laughs) You're always watching, like, Scottish golf, too, with the white sky when the ball's in the air. (laughs) And you're like, ah, it's too much. The reason that I'm willy-nilly talking about the frills of uh, Valentine's Day and television viewing habits is that in a few minutes, we'll play for you the interview I did earlier this morning with Link Jarrett. It's a good interview. It's a lengthy interview. Uh, It's the better part of this hour, and it's uh, in the build-up to opening day. Talked a little bit about last hour, and I, I, again, I'm really excited about this season. Uh, I know Florida State baseball's niche. I get it, but there are a lot of people that love – that program and, and want to see this thing fun to watch again. I, I will say big picture, you know, it looks like in major league baseball, we, we documented the changes that are coming to the game. You saw the predictable pushback from the pros this week talking about, well, where do you see how many arguments and problems there are in spring training? Well, that's the time for those. Let's get them all out there. That's fine. Also, Everybody's resistant to change, no matter what the change is, even if it's what's best for you. Typically, people push back on change. It's just also so predictable that the players will be like, I hate it. Well, shut the hell up, man. You guys have never said anything right. Every time I hear a player speak out about whatever it is, they never get it right, ever. Just shut up. Is Tony Clark against it? Oh, good. I'm good. for it. I'm for it. I'm for it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm a player guy. How do you? Oh, th- I want the players to have the money more than I want the billionaire owners to have the money. But I do. But still, I just every time the players speak out on any kind of a rule yep. change or suggestion, they're all because they want it to be collectively bargained, and then they just say ridiculous things, and they're never for advancing the cause. Look, man, check those ratings. It ain't going well. Let's go. The money's great. The money is still there, but you can't be sort of. It's because you play 162 live events. I know. Imagine if people watched where the money would I be. know. I, can you? Yes. I, I agree. So as soon as I hear them push back on it, I go, huh, probably a good thing. Let's look more into this. Let's see what else they got here. But I bring that up. One of the things that's obvious that's about to happen, and it will trickle down, it always does, from the pros down to minor leagues down to college baseball, uh, they're trying to get the action back in the sport. And you, for those of you, and you didn't get to see this era, you know of it. But in the 80s, the hit and run and, and putting guys in motion and playing very aggressively was in. You know, you think about those Cardinals teams that were on artificial turf, but they had guys that could fly. And they put them in motion. And they, they put pressure on defenses. Uh, the ball was in play. And so I think baseball could use an injection of the ball being put in play more often, more frequently, guys being put in motion more frequently. And I think they're trying to make that easier. Uh, A, they're making you come to the plate sooner. The amount of times you can throw it at first has been lessened. I mean, these new rules, obviously, you talk about the bigger bases and all of those things. This, this point of emphasis seems to be suggesting that, hey, get guys moving again. 
Yeah, well, that was one thing that the pandemic provided was an opportunity to be able to watch games from that era. And you know what? If you were keeping an official scorecard, as a lot of baseball fans like to do, you could lose your place in the 80s. You could lose your place. Too much information flowing too fast. Wait a minute. What happened there? Is that, okay, ground ball to second? Because there's another play. There's a stolen base. There's whatever. It was. It would take your breath away at times. Watching well, the, like, baseball and you had some in the guys 80s. like, I mean, Ricky Henderson. If you looked up, you'd miss it. I mean, you could walk to the fridge and then cook something from scratch and come back and you're still in the same inning. You know, it might be the bottom half of the inning, but that's where we are right now. You could cook something that takes a half an hour, and if it's the seventh, you're probably still in the seventh because there's been two pitching changes and everybody steps what, off. It's what ridiculous. you want to do in any sport is highlight, the, le- especially if it's this kind of a sport, highlight the level of athleticism. Put the level of athleticism on display. The NBA does a good job with this. I mean, that, that's why they ended the hand checking and all that. They wanted guys to be the elite athletes that they are. They wanted you to see these guys fly. And now I could do with the NBA enforcing traveling since it's on the books and is a real rule. And I think they're going to make an effort to do so. But the other stuff that they did in terms of guys getting in the lane, taking off and doing breathtaking things. I mean, I watch it now on a nightly basis because of my son, and I, the league is really healthy. It's it's a great league right now with superstars all over the league. I think, you know, there's an argument right now about base stealing. I think this is going to be a huge base stealing year. It looks like it, and I think, and that, again, you want to highlight the athleticism. Some, some players and, and coaches and scouts think that since it didn't happen that much at the minor leagues, you know, in terms of it didn't go crazy, it won't happen at the major league level. I, I think at the major league level, everything is so known before the game starts in terms of uh, the pitcher's delivery to home and then also the catcher's pop time and then the distance needed to be in, in the proper lead with yeah. your with your get off as a runner on first base. It's already all quantified so precisely that if you give nearly a half a foot or about a half a foot extra space in order for something to happen, also a wider sliding window, which makes the play tougher for the middle infielder, and then only two disengagements for the pitcher, which now really puts the pressure on them to use a pickoff move or a step-off at the right period of time, man, this is all this is all leaning heavily towards the base stealing, which is great. Yeah, good. Get, get guys moving. Let there be action. Let there be some action. That's the second time I've kicked something over during the broadcast. Hopefully people aren't just listening to my feet. This is the curse of size 13 shoes that, uh, you know, you just don't know. They just start kicking things. Hey, I'm going to answer this question really quick because it's from our friend uh, TPE. Wasn't the blood orange mimosas, wasn't it the blood orange mimosas that led to the accident of chagrin many years ago? The one with the (laughs) gesticulation, (laughs) the gesticulating that resulted in spilled drinks and broken glass. No, 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 sir. Lest we forget. It was a much more powerful concoction that led to those wild hands and spilled broken glasses. Commonly known as the Chili's El Presidente margaritas. Damn delicious the Presidentes are. You cannot, they'll call me. I wish you hadn't mentioned them. I haven't had one in years, but now I'm thinking about it. Soon. Soon, El Presidente. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe a baseball margarona. There we go. It's just so damn good. It calls you. It hits your lips. And I was a weaker man back then, prone to uh, bouts of hooliganism, over-ingestion. I would partake 
always. Now I, I've learned the value of, no, no, work day. <laughs> but back then, hey, it was a bowl game in Orlando, and we were stuck in Orlando, and I had to walk across the street to the Chili's. Who didn't want to partake in the Presidente? Delicious as they are. Okay, coming up next, this is a seamless segue. Link Jarrett, head baseball coach. The Presidente of FSU Baseball. Join me this morning for a long-form discussion of this year's team, which gets underway on Friday. We all look forward to it. That interview next. Stay tuned. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply welcome back to the jeff cameron show sponsored by legendary home loans a mortgage experience designed around speed simplicity and customer service before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. It, it captures your heart. Well, it was here for me. And my parents still live right up the road. And we yeah. walked down here and it was a chain link fence. You just remember the bleachers? I think it was wooden bleachers, a chain link fence. Yeah. And. Like being up close to guys that were that physical when you're probably, what, seven or eight years old and you're standing there and the proximity, I think it was ground level. And you're basically looking at these guys, the Ledbetters and, yeah. you know, some of the guys from back in, in that era that were so physical and so big. And you're looking at it through that fence. That's what I remember. Um, it, my first recollection of baseball was was right here. Home plate's probably in the same spot, essentially. But I think it's cool about that. Here we are, the moments at hand, Link. And um, I guess describe a little bit uh, your emotions. you got a job to do, I know. But it's got to feel a little surreal. You think about, for the for the folks out there listening, you were in June, uh, you know, uh, leading a victory over Tennessee and Knoxville on your way to the College World Series. Fast forward, you sit set to coach the team that you grew up watching. You just described that. Later on, became an All-American as a player. And now you're at the helm about to uh, embark on your, your your head coaching career at Florida State. That's That's got to be exhilarating. It's amazing when, when you think about it. I, I walked off the field last night and I was doing an interview in the coach's locker room. I'm kind of going, I'm sitting here in the coach's locker room as the head coach, you know, and I've rooted around this whole place. Now you're responsible for the atmosphere and, and the messaging of the program in this role. And I'm very excited. I, I really, Jeff, I want to get to – the first inning of the game and get into the game. There have been so many parts of dealing with the transition for myself personally, coaching staff, and then those players have been through a lot. So you're ready for some of that to transition into competition. And that's, that's what I'm most excited for. I'm, I'm a little ready for some of the supplemental peripheral <laughs> stuff to end and go in there and have a really good first inning of baseball, get off of that field, into the dugout and try to figure out a way 
to produce offensively. And then you do that over and over. And I'm really at that point in my mind of ready to relish and enjoy the competition. I think, you know, we talk about it with the players as, as you get further in your career. And, you know, one of Seth Manus, our graduate assistant, pitched in the World Series. So when you can finally get to the field and get to the mound, I think that's where you're actually most comfortable. And that countdown is on. We need to have two really good practices. We'll practice tonight under the lights. We wanted the players to, to just sense that really for the first time this time of year. When we do have some new lighting, those the lights that shine up are supposed to provide. We got much brighter bulbs in some of those fixtures. So it should present a, a better ability to see the ball. So, you know, my checklist is almost complete. And I do want to get into that first inning and Carson Montgomery, let him ratchet that thing up and go get him and let's compete. I, I'm curious, do you get ner- more, you know, players play and like you say, you get to the field, you go through your routine. Uh, they're usually habitualized and, and guys get ready to play. Once they're on the field, they're doing what they've always done. Do you get more nervous as a coach than you did as a player or do you get nervous at all anymore? Yes, you do get nervous. I, I think you want to just make sure the house is in order. Yeah. You know, and in my first time here, I, I want the game day experience to be very professional. And if somebody gets to come to one game at Hauser Stadium, I want that to be a great experience for that individual or that family. I really do. So some of the things that we've worked on all fall and all preseason leads you up to how you're going to do your your timeline countdown for game one. And Bailey and Chip have been great. Adam Ham, these they have helped me so much. But Ultimately, you want the experience to be A plus from the moment people enter the field until the last out of that game and with hopefully a victory for us. So um, you, you are nervous. I, I think it's totally different perspective on what your concerns are as a player, your physical capabilities and your game planning and making sure you're in tune with the competition is one thing. Obviously, pushing the right buttons as a coach and, and hoping, you know, the game day experience goes properly, but then putting the guys in position to win. And when you have to push buttons or you have to make personnel moves that, that you hope that you push the right buttons to give those guys ultimately the best chance to win. Talking with Link Jarrett, head baseball coach, Florida State. For those listening on air, not watching on War Chant TV, I would encourage you to do both. It's a young team, Coach. Uh, do, do you like that, though? An opportunity, I guess, to instill from the start what you want them to be as ball players and student athletes? Well, yeah, Jeff, that's, a, that's an interesting concept. You know, you don't always know whether the young player that doesn't seem to have the experience at this level, like how sometimes – that's just fine. All of these guys relative to us are new. So, you know, the, the canvas is somewhat clean in terms of our experience coaching them in games. So, uh, you know, the, the fact that there's a handful of names that people recognize, I, sure. and whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I do like the names that everybody recognizes. You know, when you think of Ferrer and Crowell and Montgomery and Tibbs and Carry On and obviously Colton Vincent caught essentially every game last year. Like there are some household type names that are really good players. Then you have to mix in guys that people do not know. I did not know any of the guys other than the four games we played them last year. So then you put a, a Cam Smith in there, a Diamas Ross, um, 
McGuire Holbrook, who's one of our catchers, it's a little dinged up, but was a transfer from West Virginia. I think he will impact things as soon as he's healthy. That will be soon. Um, Jordan Taylor, Jordan Williams. There are some guys that have really grasped what we're doing and have performed at a high level. Trayton Rank, we've moved him infield, outfield. He's an athletic kid that's had a really good back end of the preseason. Um, so I, you know, I like some of the new faces to you are no different than the guys that have been in the program <laughs> like to me. So yeah, yeah. Um, Cameron Smith, third base, has been a phenomenal experience. Like He is moving to third, and most of your elite infielders in high school play more shortstop, and then some of them move, and carry on is very savvy out there. We felt like the right thing for carry on, and the team was to stay at short, and Cam Smith, Jeff, when you when you see this, uh, this is a six foot four inch, two hundred twenty five pound, very elite talent. Now, third base is a difficult position at any level, but when you make that transition from short to third for the first time, and you're having to deal with all the bunning and how the angle of the ball coming off the bat, it's different. It is different. When I did it, the perception of seeing the pitch ball from the middle infield, you could track that thing all the way to the plate. At third base, you, you can see the pitcher out of the corner of your eye, but you have to be a little more engaged with the strike zone itself and able to track the ball all the way. So we work a lot on just the angles and the reads and the different things that are unique to third base. But I think you'll find him very exciting. And Nander DeSatis, a, a face that was absent for a year, just he said, Coach, I, I please let me finish my college career at Florida State and I was thankful we were able to to get him back, and he gives us some depth, and has done a nice job at second base. So I like I, I like what's going on out there. And when you mesh all this together, essentially we've seen two groups of these guys kind of going head to head, and now it's time to to try to mesh that and put them in a in a competitive stance where they come out on top. Something that I observed. And 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 way you answered that question, you weren't afraid to bring up Cam Smith. Anybody following college baseball understands who this young man is. Is excited to see him play. His potential that you just described is something that people, if you're a Florida State fan, you're kind of salivating. Big, strong kid, all world in the state of Florida. People know of him. Do you worry about the pressure that comes with that? Obviously not, because you brought it up right away about what a talent he is. How do you handle freshmen with a lot of? Uh, I, I guess, uh, aspirations and, and projections from others uh, on them. He's, he's just dynamic. And you, and you have to separate in college athletics the dynamic capabilities of a freshman from the fact that they are freshmen. So the lack of having been through this is real. The talent is real, too. So mm -hmm. finding my moments to coach him, and try to bring him along and point out things that he did really well and point out things that clearly we need to improve on. They, there's that balancing act. Make no mistake that the talent and the potential is real. I mean, you, you will see it, and it will not take long to realize that. Also, we must realize you know, he's young, and he has not been through this. So there may be some things that come up that are freshman-ish, even though the raw capabilities and the talent clearly are not. So it's that balance and in massaging and finding times to push him a little bit and making him feel confident, even if he has had some mistakes that, that he has had to play through. 
So that's the managerial aspect of what we have to do with kids this age. As you pointed out, they're all new to you, whether they're freshmen or they've been veteran players on this roster. Quick question about that, then we'll finish up with the rotation and some other questions about the arms that we haven't gotten to. Um, you know, I mentioned this team was young. You're right to point out the veterans uh, of the nine position players who started last season's final game. We know only four remain, and you named those guys. But I am curious, I guess the question would be, how long does it take for players to unlearn for lack of a better term and then learn a different approach if that's something that you're applying to them in other words how long does it take for guys to assimilate to the way you want them to play well I think when you get through two to three weeks of fall team practice now baseball has the unique calendar of you have the skill work segment so you're not out there with the team okay so you're with them but you're not scrimmaging and really competing and you're not out there for 18 to 20 hours a week. So I think once you've had two to three weeks of, of team practice, they start to understand what's going on. Now, it's not a complete package at that point, but I think their understanding and comfort with it and, and our comfort as coaches with what they're able to handle, that's, that's when you see it. And you know, at that point, you're halfway through the fall. Then you're trying to figure out what each one of those guys needs from a technical standpoint. When you get back, we noticed, I noticed it at Notre Dame. I noticed it here. When you get back, there's a little bit of natural regression when those guys are gone for four or five weeks for Christmas break. So then you come back and the recall and the transmission of data, like you hope it's efficient and they they jump right back on board but there's things they're going to do at home to prepare um, but there are also things that they're probably not going to sit around the fireplace in the living room and go over the signs with their parents and grandparents like at christmas so there's certain things we know when we come back that we got to push the gas pedal in these areas physically you know they're working on their swing and their arm mechanics and getting themselves in shape so um, I know that's a that's a lot of information for your question, but there is that initial let's get it and that better take three weeks and then they start to get it. and then when you come back quick tune up and then you have to really be able to drive the car. Oh, it's great, Coach. More information, not less information. That's wonderful. We're getting this team familiarized for the fans and the stands. Speaking of which, the last time you talked about this team, uh, you mentioned that you weren't real sure how you were going to utilize everybody yet. Have you carved out roles for these guys? Let's start with the pitchers, for example. The rotation going into the weekend, what you what you see it as, and then also whether or not you've got uh, carved out roles for these guys. And if not, two-pronged question. If you don't have carved out roles for everybody just yet, how long would you like that to take or before you realize, okay, this is what he is or this is how I'm going to utilize him? Jeff, very interesting. Probably the most demanding part of what we have to do as coaches and with the pitching staff. It is the most important and the most demanding maintenance that you have. We really built six guys in the preseason to get that pitch count up to 75 you know, in practice. Now, 75 in practice is a little different than when you roll out here and there's 5,000 people screaming. Those 75 pitches are a little bit different as real as we want to make practice. I, I do recognize it's different. So how do you balance who is going to essentially start the game and who seems to in weekend one? We hope this is a 17-week deal. 
in weekend one, we're looking at what gets the team out of the gate best in terms of who seems most logical to, with what we have, go open these games. And what do you have in leverage dynamic situations that allows you to escape if you need to, evade problems, and extend outings? So we really landed on Montgomery, Bowmeister, and Arnold to open these games. That leaves us Crowell, who is very, very dynamic and, and could easily start in May. But it gives an experienced leverage arm dynamic a chance to help us escape and evade and also extend because we built him just like we built the guys that essentially we determined would start these three games. Um, Connor Whitaker's in the same mold. Uh, Fields' position, both of them, Crowell and Whitaker, really handle the run game, field their position. So when you put them in with traffic, like if they have to handle the ball, you know you have super athletic guys that are in the game if there is traffic. When the game starts, sometimes we may feel like we're in a jam, but there's nobody on base. So you do not have traffic unless it's self-inflicted. So the guys that start do get the opportunity to warm up how they won and enter a clean game. Those leverage guys, and I, I say leverage because in our game, this is this is something that may take place in the fourth inning, the fifth inning. It's not always the last three outs. Sometimes those leverage situations allow you to escape so that you do have a game to win and compete in in the ninth. So we we don't by nature hold somebody to just throw the ninth in. When you look at the David Barrett's, the Brennan Oxford's, we extended them, but we didn't extend them as much as, as the other group. Benny Barrett, big right-handed freshman, we extended him a little bit, not quite as much as Whitaker and Crowell, but he was extended. And then Dougie Kirkland is a, a live-armed right-hander. I mean, it's been mid-90s with a upper 80s breaking ball. Um, been pretty good. And then Andrew Armstrong, like left-handed, good stuff. We have to get a little more out of him. So we start to script this out. But David Barrett in Oxford being David Barrett righty with upper 80s, 90-mile-an-hour breaking ball, and Brendan Oxford, the transfer lefty from Wake Forest, we feel like in short spurts, not necessarily matchup, but you know, we, we did not build them to get to 70 pitches. But they're probably capable of giving you 45 or 50 if need be. So that's how we scripted this for this weekend. I do not know, Jeff, how this plays out. Our job and our goal was to find a way to win Friday, win Saturday, win Sunday, win this series. And that clearly to us was the way to go about it, to give everybody a chance to function in a role. I love it. Folks get a good idea of the process that you're going through as you figure out these roles that I asked about. And then also knowing that it's fluid I'd ask you before we let you go, Coach, as we walk through the gates at Hauser and we get set for opening day, you already mentioned several of the starters, starters position players. Uh, I guess go through one last time, outfield, how you envision this. I know some of it's matchups always, depending on who the other team is going to start. Uh, but if you could, for the fans that are walking through the gates and they're filling out their scorecard, uh, what, are those, what does that position group look like to you? Well, it looks like you're going to have Jaime in right field. And we've spent a lot of time. I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you this. Like our, our stadium dimensions, you're confined in right field. And yeah. if you can have center field capabilities at Hauser Stadium in center field and left field, those are the areas that demand the most coverage. Right field is tricky 
but you run out of room pretty quickly. We may go to some places where it's the other way. Like you go to NC State and left field is tight. So his ability to play right field here, and but also not just be limited to right field will help us throughout the course of a long season. Um, Diamez Ross, if we're talking on pure center field and left-handed hitter and great base runner, he sure fits the mold in center field, and that's probably where we'll go. Um, Jordan Taylor, Diamas is a freshman. Jordan Taylor is also a freshman, and he's had a really good uh, preseason. Those guys can both run. Jordan Taylor can really, when he gets underway and opens it up, he can fly. They both throw well. Jaime throws very well. Jordan Taylor gets rid of it, and you know, it's, it's coming out of his hand like it's shot out of a cannon, no matter where you put him in the outfield. Um, Jordan Williams, switch hitter, junior college player, great baseball history. Uh, he could play center. He could play left or right, but but probably more left field right now. And I'll tell you, Trayton Rank has done a nice job of acclimating to the outfield. He's played some infield. We've moved him to the outfield, so he's a candidate in left field. And I, I think really right now you kind of have a three-way fight out there for left field. Um, Tibbs, also a very capable outfielder, but to get another runner in the lineup, we, we are trying to get Tibbs comfortable at first base. Good athlete. He could probably go play center field. But when you bring that type of athlete into the infield, the mobility, uh, kind of the range. I know first base throwing doesn't come into play a lot, but those three six ones and some of those pickoffs and the things that come up, it is nice to have somebody over there that can really throw, and you can. Yeah. Um, so we'll look at Tibbs. DeSatis looks to open at second base. Titan Kamaka has challenged and had a good fall as a freshman, but Nander's got that got that experience. He probably more than anybody, he's, he's been through the SEC battles and clearly through the battles here. Carry on will play shortstop. Just love his savviness. And every day I'm around him, I, I, I taste that that baseball savvy and headiness that he has. It's really impressive how he navigates what's going on. And then Cam Smith at third and Colton Vincent will catch. And we do have some catching depth. One of the key pieces is is out. I told you Holbrook's dinged up right now. He'll be back. But, you know, Colton again, gosh, that guy caught about every inning last year. So you feel good. D.H., Cade Bush, Gunnett Carlson, one of the other left field candidates, whether it's Rank or uh, Jordan Williams, I, I, I kind of leave that DH to the last minute. I don't train, I don't really train somebody to DH. That's right. just a byproduct of trying to put the best defensive team on the field and see what bat is left. And the nice thing about the DH is it gives you some interchangeable parts without affecting the defense. So how you use the DH spot really gives you a little more flexibility to bounce guys around based on what's happening throughout the course of a game. Link, I wish you the best. Happy opening day, sir. Thanks for spending so much time with us. I know the fans appreciate it. I do as well. I wish you luck. I'll be talking to you throughout the season. Be well, good, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate the time. All right, you take care. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Our thanks to Link Jarrett. Appreciate him sitting down this afternoon with us to talk Florida State baseball, which again gets underway this Friday, 5 o'clock against James Madison. Thanks, Link, for that. 
We'll be checking in with him throughout the course of the season. That's good news. This the day that, oh, by the way, pitchers and catchers report around the major leagues. That's right. It is a holiday. Mets reported today. Pittsburgh Pirates reported today. Director Matthew, your Phillies report tomorrow. So it is. It has begun. I can tell you that one thing I looked at yesterday on the interwebs was opening day and what time first pitch was. I already looked at the day. It's Thursday, March the 30th. Mm. It's opening day for baseball. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of 1 o'clock games. Uh, I think the Yankees and the Braves both play at 1, if I'm not mistaken. We are both in the 4 p.m. window that day. Nice. First pitch, 410. I feel like I've gotten screwed the last few years, and we've been the team on the next day. Everybody else is playing. Yes. Uh, to that end, um, you do not play on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. But we do. That's weird. We get the ra- the rare two days in a row right to start a row. baseball season mm. thing, which I love. I got the email yesterday that my MLB package has once again been renewed. They were all too eager to let me know that that is processed. The money has been removed from my account. I believe you'll be putting the password on the chat here as value added <laughs> to all Warchan TV. <laughs> Members. And so it is soon in the backdrop as I go about the fixing of dinner for the Cameron Brood. You will have the sights and sounds of baseball. And that is a glorious thing. Add to it when you are able, as we have been each of the last two days, to open the doors, windows, and the like, and the sounds of birds in your front and backyard because the weather is picture perfect to go along with the sounds of baseball on the big screen and the surround sound. Oh, forget about it, buddy. That is heaven on earth. The Red Cardinals are back against the backdrop of the brown and dead or dormant trees. Yeah. It's a beautiful time. I can tell you, here's the rundown. I would think we might want to do something on Thursday, March the 30th. I would think. We've been places in the past. We have. So it's uh, Atlanta and the Nats, whatever, at 1 o'clock. It's baseball. I'll watch. San Francisco at Yankee Stadium to start the season. Mm. That's weird and interesting. Go Giants, yeah. The Rays host the Tigers. Rays reported today as well. There you go, Rays fans. The Phillies travel to Texas for a 405 first pitch to play in that indoor stadium that I'm still not used to yet. I'm used to ballpark at Arlington. Still strange when they when they play games there. We're in Miami to take on the Marlins, and you are in Cincinnati for a sacrilegious moment. A first pitch in Cincinnati on opening day at 4.10 p.m. That yeah, it should be, normally be noon. It should be the first game. Yeah, it should be the first game. Uh, hopefully, we will take care of Eric Llewellyn's Cincinnati Reds. Tell him to suck it. Uh, I doubt we will. We're not very good. Not very good at all. It's hard for me to look at the rotation and see the opening day pitcher and think much beyond. Let's take the under on that win total. Let's uh, take the under. Now, you know what? I always bet the over on the Pirates. That's not a bet I make born out of strategy. That is solely based on love. And I am willing to take uh, the – listen, over-unders, team totals, eh, that's a flip of the coin based on injury luck for the most part half the time anyhow. I've won plenty of those bets where the over-under of the Pirates is, you know, 66 games or something like that. We win 68. Take the under on the Mets. They're going to be overvalued this year when three-fifths of your rotation are elderly – I mean, legitimately – AARP, Social Security, elderly level, you're going to have DL stints, or sorry, IL stints. And, yeah, 
Jose Quintana That's doesn't stay healthy for the whole year. Justin Verlander doesn't stay healthy for the whole year. Max Scherzer doesn't stay healthy for the full year. And then one of their top five Edwin is... Diaz, he'll stay healthy. Edwin Diaz, come on now. Don't say that. I scared you a little bit. You I did. can hear it. I can hear it. I was like, we have a starter named. Oh, no, but no, no, that's, no. That's the best closer the, in baseball. Play the trumpets. And then uh, we've got Senga from Japan, Kodai Senga. And they only pitch Let's once a Senga. week. Let's go Senga. They're like college baseball over there. They only pitch once a week. So I feel like yeah. there's some IL stints coming for the arms this year. Speaking of IL stints, you know who else you picked up? The unlikable Tommy Pham. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> What up, fam? The, the Mets are going to be even more unlikable. He's a platooner. No big so, deal. So Tommy Pham, Justin Verlander, all the guys that are fun. Uh, what's not to love about Verlander? <laughs> you made fun of him for three years in a row. You have not even implied. You have directly accused him of being a steroid abuser. And now you're like, what's wrong with him? The Astros keep winning. Nobody's stopping him. <laughs> that was the legacy of uh, your guy from the Cubs. He had the resurgence oh, with the Cubs. Yes, he did. Shoved it everywhere. For two years. <laughs> just yeah, two years. Yeah. One of those years happened to be a year in which the Pirates won 98 games. Jake Arrieta. Yes, I know. Oh, I don't say his I name aloud. Oh, sorry. Cheating bastard. By the way, I will point out that uh, while we're on all of our teams... Director Matthews Phillies with the important addition of the uh, multi-dimensional and very talented Josh Harrison will put them over the top this year. I loved Josh when he was in uh, Jay Hay when in Pittsburgh was a fun product. He was mm. he was a lot of fun to watch. He plays hard. He won't cheat you. He's just not very good at baseball. They also got Taiwan Walker, so they're they going to get an awesome first half out of him, and then he's going to crumble. But he they, also got Trey Turner. The first half counts. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to say they also That's got it. Trey Turner. <laughs> that helped. Craig Kimbrell, stay healthy for the full year for uh, your fills. Make it out of camp. Make it out of camp. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Soon enough, this all leads to us talking about probable. Good work out of you. Good work, Director Matthew. Thanks to all of you. We'll be back again tomorrow. Be well, everybody. Peace.